Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 5, prophet Isaiah says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord, and he was high and exalted, and he was seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the entire temple. And above him were seraphim, with each of them with six wings. And with two wings they covered their faces. And with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another. They were, they were worshiping and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty and the whole earth, not just this temple. The entire earth is full of his glory. And instantly at the sound, this moment that Isaiah finds himself in this vision that is so vivid, he says, immediately at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds began to shake, and the temple was filled with smoke. Again, reminiscent to the moment, uh, just like Moses, when he would enter the tent of meeting and the cloud would come, and, 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 and again, it is signifying that God is there, God is meeting with him. And instantly in this moment, Isaiah has this realization, a stark realization. In fact, I would say, you know, an acute awareness, meaning an intense, penetrating realization of who God is. And he responds by saying, woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined, I am undone. For I'm a man, he starts to reflect on his own life. He's like, for I'm a man with unclean lips and I live among a people with unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You know, I I was thinking about this this week as we uh, continue our series on encounters. And I said we would be looking at different encounters that people have had, you know, with God throughout the Bible And how it really is a reminder of the value and the things that can happen in the presence of God. And the importance for us in this season to press even that much more into the presence of God or an encounter with God. Whether it's through reading the word or through some, you know, worship time or, you know, some message that you might hear. Or, you know, maybe a conversation that you're having with somebody. Because I've had those. You probably have had the same thing. But have you ever had a moment where all of a sudden your realization of something is, you just have a sobering moment, meaning you knew it was going to happen or you knew a, a truth of something, but all of a sudden a moment happens and it brings it to a bigger, deeper realization like, whoa, I can't believe it. You know, I had this moment when we, uh, we had our first born Madison, you know, back in 2000. It was crazy, you know, like the events leading up to Madison coming in, of course, your first, and not that you don't forget the, you know, the births of your other kids, but your first has a bit of a, a significance. It's etched in your memory, and, you know, this is the moment that you're, you know, it's leading up. You know you're going to become parents for the first time, and so you're, you're prepping the room, and you're getting everything ready, and you think everything's going along perfectly, and we thought we had until the, the end of February. Actually, there was a chance that Madison was going to be a leap year baby. And so we thought we had the end of 
you know, uh, February, but in December we started having, sort of not me, but Cora started having some issues and some complications. She's laughing at me right now. She's like, there's no we in pregnancy, son, you know? You're along for the ride kind of a thing. And so, you know, and so, but we had some complications, and so Cora actually had to uh, basically stay in our apartment at the time we were living in Chatham. She had to stay in the apartment the entire, you know, month of December. And then I remember we were getting into the new year, and Cora was having, uh, you know, what she thought was contractions. And so we went to the hospital in Chatham, and uh, we got there, and things calmed down. And, and so, you know, the doctor said, hey, listen, because there's a possibility that, you know, your, your child could come early, we, we have to send you to London, to St. Joe's, because you haven't passed a certain, uh, I think it was like 35 or 36 weeks you had to pass in order for the child to be born in Chatham. I'm not sure why the rule, but it just was. And so we had to go to St. Joe's in London. So Cora got in, they put Cora in an ambulance. I went home, got my stuff. They said, don't worry, you'll be there for a week. Uh, then after that week, you can come back. But right now, everything is stable. You're good. The, you know, the, uh, the, they weren't full-on contractions. Everything is fine. So I just went home. I grabbed some stuff for Cora, thinking, okay, you know, we're still on track. Yeah, a little bit of, del- you know, a little bit of a hiccup, no big deal, you know. And, and so I, fi- I get to the hospital at St. Joe's. And as I walk into the room where Cora is, all of a sudden there's a bunch of doctors around her. And instantly, this moment of, I knew I'm going to be a parent, now all of a sudden is ramped up significantly, especially when Cora looked at me and said, hey, ba- the baby is coming today. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? No, 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 we got to the end of February, man. Like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to be a dad, I don't even know, listen, I don't even, I don't even have the car seat inside the car with me, like, are you, like, how are we getting this baby home, you know, and all of a sudden, this awareness of becoming a dad just kicked in, and by five, I think it was 510, that night, Madison was born seven weeks early, four pounds, four ounces, and all of a sudden, the the realization of the weight or the responsibility as a parent all of a sudden kicked in in this moment. And and when we have stark realities or or sobering moments like that, that's what they do, right? They they become super clear, and and a lot of times they can be life-altering or life-changing. And when you look at Isaiah in this moment... For Isaiah, this is a sobering moment. It is, it's a, he's now acutely aware. He, it's not like he didn't know that God was this powerful. It's not like he didn't know that you know, God was so full of all this glory. And, and, and I'm sure there's a part of him as he's experiencing this vision, this encounter with God. He's you know, in awe and wonder, like, man, I can't believe that I'm sitting in this moment. And then all of a sudden, he has this super sobering moment and he begins to realize in the midst of all of the you know the fanfare and the glory of God and and seeing him on the throne and seeing the train of his robe fill the temple and and the seraphims are are worshiping and they're declaring holy holy is the Lord God Almighty in the midst of all of this in the midst of it he has this deep awareness of where he is and who he is with all of a sudden, you know, he's aware of, of God and his glory and who he is. And, and, and specifically, again, based on his response, which we're going to go to in a second, he's all of a sudden become severely aware of the holiness of God. 
Not just the majesty of God, but specifically he's caught this idea of the holiness of God, meaning God is so separate. When we talk about the holiness of God, we're talking about how God is transcendently separate, meaning there's absolutely no comparison. He, there's nothing that can come close to who he is. But when we also talk about the holiness of God, we talk about the perfection of his character and how pure he really is. That there is no stain. He is, un, you know, he is not defiled in any way. He is one, like, take the word pure and then think like a million times beyond that. That's how pure God is. And then all of a sudden he's sitting there in this moment realizing the perfection of God's character and the holiness of God. And it prompts another realization. Which gives you the response. Oh man, forget it, I'm done. I'm undone. I, 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 and he, all of a sudden he begins, as he's seeing the holiness of God and experiencing the holiness of God, he's now realizing how far he is in his own sin, in his own humanity, his own imperfections, and not just his, but all of the people that he's been called to, to minister to and to, to, you know, to, to be this prophet to and and all of a sudden he's like woe is us like I, and all of a sudden in the midst of this moment he's realizing and i guarantee you it doesn't say it but i'm sure he felt ridiculously unworthy in that moment i should not be here i need to go my sin is way too apparent my i'm so unclean in comparison to you god and he's probably in this moment feeling a sense of judgment that it's coming, that God's moving and he's about to lower the boom. And to be honest with you, as I read that this week, I'm thinking, man, like if I'm, you know, if I'm Isaiah and I get it's a, you know, it's a vision and so he can't necessarily wake himself up, but man, if there's a way out, I'm getting out. I'm running. Because I don't know about you, but I've had moments where I've been in the presence of God or I've, I've heard a passage of scripture read or you know, maybe I've, you know, uh, been reading something my own self in the way of devotions and all of a sudden felt like, man, God, I'm so unworthy. You, you have to wonder if maybe in this moment, Isaiah's kind of feeling a little bit of the, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little, not just unworthy, but I wonder if he's on the edge of just feeling a little condemned. And you know, far too often in our approach and our encounters with God, we confuse conviction with condemnation. I've said this before here at, at, at Community many, many times. There's a big difference between the two. Condemnation will absolutely bury you. But we're told in Scripture that though, for those that are, who, who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for you. Why? Because of His grace and because of His goodness. But there is conviction. And conviction is a good thing. And what I love about this, before I get into the conviction part of things, is what I love about this is that even in this moment, none of us would blame Isaiah or any of us from trying to flee or run from the presence of God or the encounter of God because we feel unworthy or maybe we don't like what we're hearing or maybe we don't like what we're seeing because it's conflicting inside of us. What I love about this is the moment that he cries out instantly, the seraph, verse 6, 
and we didn't read it, he grabs a piece of coal and he goes to Isaiah and he begins to, he touches his lips and, and it signifies, you know, the extension of God's grace in ministry and it signifies that he's being forgiven and specifically cleansed. And the moment that happened, instantly God then spoke because God had made a way for this imperfect sinner to stand in his presence free and clear. I don't know about anybody else, but I like that aspect of God. Anybody else with me? Just kind of wave at me. Thanks for the one clap. I appreciate that. That's good. I'm guessing you're clapping at home. I bet you at home they're all like this, man. Way to go online. Way to go. Listen to my heart. God doesn't want us to sit in that place, and nor does he ever want you to feel condemnation but conviction is a catalyst. Conviction is a catalyst. It's a trigger. And specifically today, you know, I could just talk about that, but I want to talk about the holiness of God for a moment. Because this might sound odd. You know, after talking about Isaiah feeling like, you know, I'm overwhelmed and I'm, I feel unworthy, can I just say to you right now, we need more moments like that. Every single one of us, I, mean, I know some of you are going, PC, what are you talking about? I don't want to feel unworthy in the presence of God. I don't want to feel that heaviness. I don't want to feel, you know, like I'm not measuring up. I get it. But that's if you live in condemnation where God doesn't want you to live. But if you allow it to be a conviction, which is a catalyst, some really powerful things happen when we begin to grasp and understand the depth and the power and, and, and the greatness of God's holiness. And here's a few things that grab my heart this week. Because it's a trigger. The first thing is that there's an elevated awareness of his love. I love what Billy Graham once said. He said, only when we understand the holiness of God will we understand the depth of our sin. See, we need encounters with God where we begin to understand and grasp the holiness of God because it allows us to understand the contrast between a holy God who is pure and perfect and all of humanity that's broken by sin. But, though Billy Graham is right, it reveals the depth of our sin. I also think it also, in doing so, when we understand the depth of our sin, we begin to see the love of God in a completely different way. Because when you start to think about that, even though that's the condition, and then he sends his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you and I can be free from our sin, and then the Holy Spirit comes and takes us through the process of sanctification, making us pure, allowing us to be in the presence of God. All of a sudden, the love of God is also elevated. Our awareness of the depth, of the width, of the length of the love of God, we begin to grasp the weight of, God's, of, of his grace. We begin to understand the value beyond words. In fact, I was writing this, and I was like, I, I don't even have words to describe how amazing and how powerful the forgiveness of God is. But you, go, you will never know that. You'll never understand it the way it's supposed to be understood until we get into the presence of God and recognize the holiness of God. And the fact that he makes a way. That he would so passionately pursue every single one of us. 
that are sinners the way that God pursues all of humanity. Here's another one. You begin, he begins to express his desire or his heart for us. First Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter actually quotes a passage out of Leviticus which declares the heart of God that even though God wants us to be aware of his holiness and even though we begin to have an elevated awareness of the depth and the power of his love and the power of salvation and the need for salvation, by the way. It also expresses his heart or the road map. Man, when we have encounters with God and we begin to understand how holy and how separate, how pure and how perfect God is. And then Peter reminds us out of Leviticus, he says this, be holy. This is what it's written. Be holy as I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. It's the road map. And that's what God wants for our lives to mirror. And what's beautiful about that is that's the role of the Holy Spirit. And the role of the Holy Spirit to come inside of our lives and begin to transform us and to enable us to be able to be the mirrored reflection of God. And not just the mirrored reflection of God, but it allows us to come into the presence of God, not with a sense of condemnation, but a sense of conviction and gratefulness and gratitude that, man, I can't believe that a holy God would let me stand in his presence. Come on. Which leads me to the last thing, and I'm going to ask Hillary to come back. Moments in the presence of God like this and experiencing the holiness of God and having a stark reality of it, it enkindles. And I specifically use that word enkindle because it means arouse or inspire or to set something on fire. It enkindles our spiritual awakening. If there's anything that can trigger, and so when I say it is important and valuable to us, to not just have an encounter with God, but specifically become more aware of the holiness of God. It's because if there's anything that can catapult you and stir you and arouse you and set you on fire in the way of passion for God, this is it. One of my favorite authors, Henry Blackaby, he said this, when holy God draws near in true revival, people come under terrible conviction of sin. But listen to this. The outstanding feature of spiritual awakening has been the profound consciousness of the presence and the holiness of God. The trigger of spiritual awakening is the outstanding feature of recognizing the holiness of God. We're not, he, listen, Isaiah was right. He wasn't deserving. 
Absolutely none of us are. But by the grace of God, but by the love of God, but by the passion and the desire of God, we are made in a way that, again, the transformation, sanctification process of the Holy Spirit allowed to be in the presence of God. We don't serve a God that is an idol. We don't serve a God made out of stone. We don't serve a God that is made out of, you know, uh, you know wood. We, we serve a God that is alive, that is above the heavens and the earth, outside of time and space, the Alpha and the Omega, and he pursues me. Even though the very thing that he pursues is unclean. But he makes a way. He makes a way. Which is really powerful because you know what? If there's anything that happens in a moment like this, and here's where I say it, it sparks, and I agree with Henry Blackaby, it sparks and triggers true revival. It's because moments like that are humbling. And humble people tend to be submissive and teachable. They're moldable in those moments. All of a sudden you recognize you're in the room with someone far greater than you. And you just want to learn. And you just want to take in. You want to ask those questions. And then on top of that, do you know what happens? When we submit to the work of the Holy Spirit, when we pursue holiness by evaluating all of the choices and all of the influences of our lives to make sure that, hey, they line up with God. Listen, there are going to be things in your life that may not be bad things, but they may not be pushing you or, pers- or challenging you in the pursuit of holiness. You know my heart. I've said this so many times. There's the work of the Holy Spirit and then there's our choice and our submission to that work. That's how that happens. That's how that works. It doesn't work any other way. But here's what's awesome. As the Holy Spirit is doing his work, and sorry, I don't mean to keep looking at Hillary. I'm not trying to send her a subtle message. <laughs> Hillary's good. It's all good. But every time We engage in that process slowly. Everything that hinders our ability to connect with God begins to get removed. And now you have free, free access. You've got access, but but there's something about the Holy Spirit taking weight, spiritual weight, because that's what sin does. It weighs us down. It doesn't allow us to hit the mark. You want to talk about true intimacy when there's nothing that stands between you and God. When you know the grace and the forgiveness and the work of the Holy Spirit, man, let me tell you something. You can't wait to get in the presence of God. You might still have moments. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. You may have moments. I was reminiscing with the staff this week of a moment in my life as a teenager on a missions trip 
four friends sitting in a room while all the others were gone to sleep and we're just chatting and we're talking and we're encouraging each other. And all of a sudden, we felt this heaviness, not in a bad way, but we felt the weighted presence of God. And it turned into an entire ministry time. I will never, ever forget that moment. And we all of a sudden became a lot more conscious of what we were doing and what we were saying. And we just shifted into this more of an obedience mode. God, what do you want to do in this moment? Next thing you know, we're praying for each other. Someone's kneeling on the floor and crying out before God and all this, like instantly. Man, it enkindles that passion for God. It stirs it up because, man, I'm like, get me in the presence of God. That's why God invites us to taste and see. Come and experience me. Trust me. You'll keep coming back every single time. Why? Because he's holy and there is nothing in comparison to the real, true presence of God. Why don't you stand with me all over this place? If you're at home, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. If you feel comfortable with it dog might think it's a little weird right now as you're standing up in the middle of your living room, but that's okay. Your dog will get over it. We've got some time. Would you just, wherever you are, would you just lift a hand towards the Lord? Lift your heart. Just say, God, I just, I do. I know that that my sin might keep me out, but I want to thank you. Can we just thank him right now? for allowing us to be in his presence. Man, that he makes a way. In fact, right now, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come right here in this parking lot, in every single home. And I pray that God for every person that watches this on YouTube, weeks from now, months from now, maybe even years from now, that in that moment, the presence of God would fall right where they are. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.